Did Dumbledore set Harry up to do Parseltongue in front of the whole school just to confirm that he could? This episode, I was joined by Ellen and Katie, the hosts of For Fox's Sake podcast, and we dive into that and a whole slew of other things as we covered Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 11, The Dueling Club. Thank you to them for coming on, and to you for listening to Belated Binge, the Harry Potter podcast that doesn't take itself or the books too seriously. Hey, so I'm Ellen. I'm Katie. And we are the guests on this podcast. And we did this under our old name. Mm, Yes. So you will be hearing us refer to ourselves as Just Keep Rolling. It was actually a conversation following the recording of this episode that made us decide the time has come to change our name. Yeah. It was really past time, but you know what? Better late than never. Right. So... You're going to hear Just Keep Rolling on this, but just know that from this moment on, we are known as For Fox's Sake. Mm-hmm. It was really important for us to change the name because we do not agree or condone the creator's ignorant views, and we stand with the trans community. Yes. We want everyone to feel welcome and appreciated and accepted with us. And to feel like they have a safe space within this fandom. Mm-hmm. Because they do, and it's with us. And other amazing Harry Potter podcasts like Belated Binge. Yay! So, Ellen and Katie, for Fox's sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. Thanks for listening, and we hope you come find us too. Mm-hmm. Chapter 11, The Dueling Club. Harry woke up on Sunday morning to find the dormitory blazing with winter sunlight and his arms reboned but stiff. He sat up quickly and looked over at Colin's bed, but it had been blocked from his view by the high curtains Harry had changed behind yesterday. The Belated Binge Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Belated Binge Podcast. I'm Zach, your host, revisiting some of the most iconic series in recent memory that I was incredibly late on, like our current binge of Harry Potter, where despite being the same age as movie Harry, I didn't read this series through until my mid 20s. That's the belated part. Now, we're going back chapter two at a time, picking it apart, deep diving what's on the page, speculating about what isn't, particularly Dumbledore's role in his master plan. What did he know? When did he know it? And the motivations guiding the story. And of course, infusing as much sarcasm as humanly possible. That's the binge part. Together, they make the belated binge, and today we continue our reread of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets with Chapter 11, The Dueling Club. But before we can get into it, one, this podcast will have spoilers. This series wrapped up in 2007. If you haven't read them by now, you're even later than I was. Two, this podcast will also have adult language. You can buy them in the kids' section of the bookstore, but I didn't read them until I was a grown-ass man. Huge shout out to our free elf patron, Alex Swetlin. And I gotta say, I'm quite tickled to introduce our guests. Yes, plural. Two guests at one time. We've not done two at once on this podcast or anywhere for that matter. Uh, I've been working on booking these two since the podcast's inception, and they've finally given in to my badgering and annoying messages. I believe. Our email chain has 68 messages in it 
back and forth, and most of those are me saying, please come on my podcast. And they finally agreed to slum it with me today. They are the hosts of the Just Keep Rolling podcast, comparing and contrasting the Harry Potter books and movies on a weekly basis. There's inappropriate jokes, there's puns, there's cursing. It's everything I love in a podcast. I could go on and on, but the whole point of inviting them on was to let them talk. So y'all want to introduce yourselves? Hi, everyone. I'm Ellen from, as Zach said, Just Keep Rolling. And I'm Katie. I just wandered in off the street. I actually don't know really what I'm doing here, but uh, it's good to be here. She knows exactly what she's doing here. I have her tied to the chair. Again, <laughs> yes. Actually, it's teal duct tape this time. It's <laughs> <laughs> and the zip ties. And the zip ties. Yes. Mm-hmm. Everything in my house is teal, so that's just kind of a thing. Currently, her pants are teal. So it's true. They are. That. Yeah. Is is that on purpose? Yes. Can okay. you guess my favorite color? Red. She well, is, you, she is a Gryffindor. I am a Gryffindor, <laughs> so that's not inaccurate either. And the wall behind you is red. Yeah, because it's my Gryffindor wall. So not everything is teal. Well, each wall is a is a house color in this room. Yeah. Is it? Oh, I can only see two two walls yeah you i got see, the gryffindor vibe you can see gryffindor and hufflepuff and then across mm. from the gryffindor wall is the ravenclaw and next to me across from the hufflepuff is the slytherin wall mm-hmm. <laughs> i tra- actually i actually tried to have it set up where when we were recording i'd be in front of the raven the ravenclaw why would i be in front of the ravenclaw wall i'm a gryffindor why i'd be not? in front of the gryffindor wall and katie would be in front of the slytherin wall but the table was bigger than i thought it was going to be and we had to arrange it differently so she actually sits in the Hufflepuff Ravenclaw corner. I feel like that should corner. be a thing in the castle. This is the Hufflepuff Ravenclaw corner. <laughs> right? This is the Gryffindor wall. I don't know. I do want to say that we actually would have loved to have recorded with you sooner, but <laughs> scheduling is fucking difficult. Yeah. It is. It, it just makes for better theater if I pretend I was begging the whole time. I mean, I, you were. I was. It, it it does make us sound more in demand, yes. so I'm not I'm not hating that. Tell us everything about your podcast. So, like you already said, it is a book movie compare and contrast podcast, and as you can probably tell, I say that phrase a lot. It rolls times. off the tongue now, mm-hmm. much like your cat's name. Yes, well, that one sometimes I get a little tongue tied with. I just got a cat that I named Professor Albus Percival Wolfick Brian Dumbledore, Order of Merlin, First Class, Headmaster of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, Supreme Mugwump of the International Confederation of Wizards, and Chief Warlock of the Wizengamot, but we just call him Al. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, Rolls off the tongue. She's not extra at all. Trust me. No. I'm Mm -hmm. gathering that. I tried to do not the whole thing, but just his whole name on an episode one time off the cuff. And I mixed up Wolfric and Brian, I think. I put them in the wrong order. It's easy to do. I think that was the mistake I literally, that, I made. that was actually a tiebreaker trivia question at one of the mm. trivia nights that we went to. And I didn't know the full title. I only knew his full name. But mm. thankfully, the guy I was competing with only knew his full name, too, and I could write faster. So we still ended up winning. But the extra in me made me have to memorize it. Mm-hmm. And as I was working on memorizing it, I was like, the next cat I get, this is what I'm naming him. Because that's just the whole bit. Like, I literally just call him Al or Albie. But that's his name. Anyway, back to our podcast. Moving on. <laughs> kind of derailed there. Yeah. Which we do sometimes. Yeah. I try to keep us on task because we take a book chapter, although lately, because we're in Order of the Phoenix, 
they're longer and sometimes mm-hmm. it's just half of a book chapter and the corresponding film scenes if they exist and we just like dive right if. in yeah spoiler alert i don't have a whole lot to do lately <laughs> <laughs> but we just dive right in and we just nitpick like here's the details of what's in the book here is what the movie left out or here's what the movie added because <laughs> sometimes yeah. that happens too here's what and the it's... movie did completely differently and it's almost always worse it is yeah and I, I, even though I'm the nerdy type that loves to compare books to movies, like any book that has been turned into a movie or a TV show, I love to do this. So even though I love that, I still always prefer the books to the movies. And I never thought I liked the Harry Potter movies that much. Like, I loved them, obviously. Mm-hmm. But diving into them the way that I have been for this podcast has really given me a new appreciation for them. See, I... I came into this the exact opposite. I hated comparing the books to the movies. I because hated it, it makes it, the movie suck. <laughs> yeah, it ruined it ruined it for me. I remember um, when I first got into Harry Potter and uh, Sorcerer's Stone was already out, the movie, and I had seen that and I was kind of like, whatever. And then once I got into it, I had read... Sorcerer's Stone so much later that I was like, okay, this is different from the movie, but I'm not really like harping on it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, I got to read the second book because the second movie's coming out. So I got to read the second book like right now. Mm-hmm. And I read it right before I went to see the movie and I hated the movie. I was like, this movie, you know what? Fuck this movie, man. Cause where was this? And where was this? And I didn't like this. And, and that's, it just took me away from the whole thing. So from then on, I was like, you know what? I'm putting like a good, kibosh on reading the books for like Mm -hmm. a couple months prior to seeing a movie and then she came in (laughs) and dragged me into this kicking and screaming holy again zip tied to the chair i can't i can't get up that's just Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean i like it but that's not the point (laughs) like that's not the issue here there's an inappropriate joke in there somewhere um i think that was they're all inappropriate No, I'm with you. I I have deliberately, and granted, I'm in the second book at this point, but my whole plan has deliberately been to not follow the same chapter-by-chapter chapter formula that a lot of podcasts do where they finish a book and then they immediately do the movie. Mm-hmm. If I did that, all I would do is shit on the movie the yeah. whole time. So my thought process was to um, maybe do like the movies as their own like little canon and kind mm. of go through them that way. Yeah. That's Still shit on them, but not only shit on them. Yeah. And we definitely shit on them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But we also make it a point to find the things that we love mm-hmm. about them because there truly are things that the movies did phenomenally, namely with the casting. Mhm. And then a lot of the visuals. And comparatively to the later movies, the first two oh, spot movies on. were really actually very close. Yeah, they're like spot on. Yeah. They definitely left things out that I would have liked to see. Yeah. However, oh, yeah. <laughs> we are fully able to find shit we don't like. Minimal was changed. They mostly seem to be for pacing purposes. Yeah. In the first two. The rest of them, they literally just fucked shit up sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. But they're still good. Like, you can... 
you can watch the movies and go, damn, this was a good movie. I enjoyed watching this movie. Mm -hmm. I needed to read the books to know what the fuck was going on once we get to a certain point in the movies. But, like, they're enjoyable to sit and watch. Uh, Somebody uh, on a different podcast, um, plug for them, The Fox and the Foxhound, Um, one of the hosts who's going through the books for the first time right now, and they're almost done, the way he put it when they did one of those episodes was, these are great popcorn movies. But if you're going <laughs> yeah. to like, if you're going to try to hold them up to the books that they're created off of as adaptations, nope. No, no, <laughs> you can't do it. Yeah. Nope. Well, I nope. always say that Harry Potter, specifically Harry Potter trivia, but just Harry Potter in general is my drug of choice. So I actually live for getting to watch the Harry Potter movies with people who haven't read the books because when they're confused, they ask me questions and I get to talk about it. That's how I ended up reading the books because we I would put the movies on like when they were doing a marathon on sci-fi or Freeform or whatever like stupid channel does, had yeah. them. Yeah, and I knew my wife liked Harry Potter enough and if I had my way, I would have sports on the TV – 100% of the time particularly basketball no matter the time of year and I knew she didn't want that so I tried to find like a, a something that I could put up that I was like and I was like oh these movies are actually they're pretty good mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell's happening so I'm like asking her <laughs> questions and she's her canned response became you'd have to read the books it's better in the books and I heard so that you- about a million and 47 times and decided okay I'm going to read these damn books and know what the hell is happening in this series that I'm like, uh, this is pretty decent on my TV, but I don't know what the, what's this weird tingly spidey sense thing that's ringing in his ears. I don't understand. Like, this doesn't make sense. Um, but that was kind of how I did. And that's why I was like 25 and I finally went through the whole series while I was doing very mundane, um, busy work at my job at the time because I was an entry-level, like, data nerd in marketing. So you can imagine. You had a lot going on. A lot of numbers and a lot of spreadsheets on some days. Yeah, so these were a welcome distraction. How on earth were you able to concentrate with all that information going on? I probably just fucked up clients' money, to be honest. But we're not going to talk about that just in case there are any current clients that are listening. I got much better and I only pay attention to work while I'm working now. Oh, this was clearly like five (laughs) years ago. Oh, obviously, yeah. Five, six years ago. Right. So. As we like to say, we'll just keep rolling. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And you can say that anytime you want on this podcast. That's. uh, (laughs) Okay. So whenever I have a guest or guests on, I like to let them pick the chapter. Y'all chose this one. Why? It gives us an opportunity to make fun of Lockhart. And Justin when? Finch Fletchley. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly Lockhart because we call him the appendix of the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. He is just so very useless. He's there. You don't really know what for. Yeah. And eventually, you just got to get rid of him before he fucks shit up. And when he's gone, Basically. you don't even really miss him. No. Nope. I am embarrassed how long it took me while listening to that episode to figure out why the hell you were calling him the appendix. <laughs> because I think at first I thought you were saying appendage 
And I'm like, what is <laughs> happening? He's the dick of the wizarding <laughs> world. <laughs> Just useless flopping around. I don't get it. Uh, I anything... mean, that works too. <laughs> I mean, anything yeah. else you want to plug or anything before we jump into the actual episode? <laughs> Actually, one of the things that I also really like about this is it it's when we already knew that Harry could talk to snakes, sort of. Mm-hmm. But this is when they start to really show its significance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just like really like they planted that seed in the beginning of Sorcerer's Slash Philosopher's Stone. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, oh, by the way, this is significant. Yeah. Which they tend to they tend to do a lot. Yeah. And I, I dig that. So it's just yeah. when you told us what chapters were available and I was like, ding, <laughs> dueling club, that's ours. We want it. Make it happen. And we did. So here we are. (laughs) uh, In case you're obliviated or you got your Hogwarts letter late, last chapter was chapter 10, the rogue bludger. Lockhart continued to be an annoying douchebag, but he wasn't useless. His extreme arrogance and lack of awareness of reality surrounding him allowed the trio to get the book that they needed to make polyjuice potion, which they do in a girl's bathroom. That's haunted by our friend that we met at Nick's party, moaning Myrtle. And then Quidditch happened. The match never matters, but there's always plot impact. This time, a bludger, bewitched by an elf, breaks Harry's arm. Lockhart makes it worse by removing all the bones because he's an idiot, which lands our boy in the hospital wing, where the plot needed him to be so that he could learn about Dobby's attempt to save him, going very, very poorly again. Uh, that the Chamber of Secrets was opened before, this is not the first time, and that Colin Creevy was a victim who had been petrified. But hey, at least he can't be annoying in a coma, right? Well, <laughs> did you see the way he was frozen with that camera up? That's fair. It's probably a bad joke. <laughs> no. He's uh, got a very punchable face. I'm just saying. Aw, <laughs> poor Colin. <laughs> it's, it's punchable in a cute way. Maybe? Well, I don't yes, know. Yes, of course. Before we can move into this week's chapter, we need to close the book on last week and recap our expecto plot changeo. This is the part of the show where we theorize on what we would expect to change in our story if we made one small tweak to the plot of the chapter we're covering. In last chapter, I asked, "What if Lockhart wasn't so useless and didn't remove all the bones in Harry's arm?" What if it was mended properly? I'm sure I'm going to butcher this, but ibu.exe, I-B-O-U dot E-X-E, on Instagram chimed in, saying I'd say Harry would have to suffer much more. He wouldn't have stayed in the hospital wing overnight, and when Colin Creevy is petrified, he would take the blame all over again. From my perspective, this was just to get Harry to the hospital wing, which was key for three things. Harry seeing Colin petrified, Dobby coming to give us more plot splaining, and Dumbledore confirming that this has happened before and that Hogwarts isn't safe. So if Harry doesn't need his bones regrown, he doesn't need to spend a night in the hospital wing. So how does he get these three bits of information? Well, one, Colin is easy. This is a school. Rumors fly around rampant. All it takes is one kid with a tummy ache to visit the nurse and catch a glimpse of Creevy, and the whole school knows by lunchtime. But what about the other two? Okay. It's story time, kids. 
So Harry's arm was just broken by the bludger, but he still caught the snitch. Because, you know, Harry never loses Quidditch, if he's conscious. But it turns out, Dumbledore was actually in attendance for this match. Did you know? I didn't know, but now I know. He hasn't missed a Gryffindor match since the first time Harry almost died when Quirrell tried to murder him in front of an entire school of witnesses while he was the literal center of attention. In retrospect, not the greatest plan. (laughs) And just as Lockhart raises his wand to fix, air quotes, Harry's broken arm, Dumbledore puts a hand up to stop him. Allow me, Gilderoy. I'm most certain everyone here who has read your books is quite aware of your reported expertise on the matter. I happen to have quite an interest in healing, and I wonder if you might indulge me to assist in this instance. Even Lockhart knows not to try to overshadow Dumbledore. If nothing else, this dude signs his paycheck. So, Dumbledore fixes Harry's arm, well, properly. Afterwards, he invites Harry for a spot of tea to discuss his quite impressive snitch-catching skills. I seem to remember your father having a particular connection to a snitch himself. Carried it everywhere he went. I often wondered if he may have hidden a family heirloom inside. Dumbledore's a bit of an Easter egg layer himself. Uh, They're just rounding a corner to his office when Professor McGonagall rushes up to them. Professor Dumbledore, I'm quite sorry to interrupt, but I'm afraid there's a... Wow, I can't do an accent with her. Uh, There's a matter in which your presence is needed right away. Harry, great catch today. Now go back to your dormitory. I'm quite certain there's a gathering of Quidditch fans who await your arrival. I did a lot of dialogue in this. Okay, so of course Harry is a meddler and too perceptive not to realize that this is a strange situation. There's no way he's going back to Gryffindor Tower. He follows at a distance, trying to remain out of sight. He witnesses the scene as Professor McGonagall shows Colin Creevy being petrified to Dumbledore. He overhears the conversation, same as he did in the hospital wing in the real story, and just as he goes to back away around the corner, he's startled. There's Dobby. And we get the story from the elf as well. What do you think? How'd I do? I think that's pretty spot on. That would work. I like it a lot, yeah. Especially the part where Harry meddles. It definitely meddles. That definitely tracks. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. An excellent Dumbledore impression, by the way. Thank you. much better than your McGonagall. It was, <laughs> yeah. McGonagall... I've literally never issues. practiced either one, so that was the first time for both, and well I'm glad done. that one of them went less horribly than the other. <laughs> Any so thoughts? What, yeah, go ahead, go. Here's what. So here's what I was thinking: if Lockhart can actually heal bones, or if Dumbledore were to step in and do it instead, is he still an appendix, or does he like become a spleen or a gallbladder? Maybe. I'm, do I'm those still have a use? A gallbladder, definitely. Yeah. A spleen, yes, for sure. Gallbladder, you can live without. You can, but, but it, it has does a function. Have a purpo- yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was going for ones that you like. Could... I don't. I don't have mine, but which is why it's it has a purpose, but yeah. it's not necessary. That's why I wasn't going to fully upgrade him to like intestines or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a heart. He's certainly not a brain. <laughs> uh, no yeah. courage either. So no. he's the tin man (laughs) let me flip my phone around here i've tried to do this before uh by getting uh the guest on the laptop in the shot it just doesn't ever work so it's time to do the thing where i here we go this is the right button i'm a terrible millennial this week's expecto plot change of question from 
Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 11, The Dueling Club. What if Lockhart lets Snape vanish the snake properly? Harry never had to use parcel tongue in front of the class. How could that have changed the events in this chapter? What about the future? Let me know your thoughts to be included in the next episode. You can let me know here or by leaving a voicemail on my website, belatedbinge.com. So, this little video that I just took, which did save successfully, look at that. Uh, it'll be shared across social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You can respond with your thoughts on any of those platforms, as I mentioned in the video, or by leaving a voicemail on my website, belatedbinge.com. And if you don't like the sound of your own voice, there's also a contact form that you can use as well. Let's dive into the events of this week's chapter with... Priority. Incan Chapter. We've reached the point where our wands connect. Not the tips, just the streams. So we can recap what went down in the chapter that we just read. This week, Chapter 11, The Dueling Club starts with the weekend. Because nobody learns anything or ever goes to class in these books. That's about school. The blazing winter sunlight description could kind of make you forget get for a second that Harry's actually in a hospital having to just regrow all the bones in his arm which is definitely an experience that should be followed by the nurse lady coming in and moving it all around and bending your fingers and all of that shit uh, and, and Madame Pomfrey nonchalantly tells him all his bones are back and just sends him on his way and that's when he runs into Percy who's super chipper coming out of the library did Percy literally just get laid like, that's what oh, happened here, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh... I'd like to hope that it happened at least once in his poor little life. A little bit of, just, you know, library nookie. Mm-hmm. You, one might call that it was a... book a... nookie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like that inference oh is God, a layup. Shit. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so... Harry Fine... It, it's a... It's a uh, a comment from Percy about Ron hanging out in girls' bathrooms that makes Harry have his light bulb moment, his ding, mm -hmm. and realize that's exactly where they are. So he finds Ron and Hermione in Moaning Myrtle's bathroom, apparently scares the shit out of them, and the text mentions a... At least they're in a bathroom. Right. Yeah. yeah. Good place to be. It mentions a splash. What do you think they dropped in the toilet? Because it's not said in the, in the actual page. I mean, clearly it's the shit that he just scared out of yeah. <laughs> Obviously. As they're sharing a stall? Are they that they're close really yet? They're really close You know friends. what? <laughs> Don't kink shame. <laughs> These are 12-year-olds just, like, sitting in a stall together, stirring a pot. One of them's sitting on it. I don't know. Maybe it was the stir. The ladle? Yeah. The my head cannon. They use spatulas. Okay. <laughs> a spatula. Are, do they have to flip any of the ingredients? No, I'm, talking, I'm like a rubber spatula, like scraping the end, like a baking spatula. Oh, I. I'm not talking a flipper. Is that a? There's a two kinds of spatulas. <laughs> oh, honey. You have the the cooking spatula that you slide under the meats to mm -hmm. flip it over or whatever, mm -hmm. and then you have a baking one, which is used for scraping the sides of the bowl to make sure you get all yeah. of the ingredients mixed in. I never knew that that was called a spatula. I think we have about seventeen in my kitchen. I just what did you use think them. They were called? I have about twenty teal ones. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I think we, we have a red one and we have a white one, 
and we have i don't know another one i do have I a white remember. one with a g and a giraffe on it that katie got me when len and i got married and my last name became ganley mm-hmm. that was a very thoughtful gift you know what I was at Williams-Sonoma. I had to buy everything anyway. I was with her, too, and she snuck bought it without me noticing. Nice. She was supposed to keep me from buying shit. It didn't work. My wife has a similar skill with the bill at a restaurant. She can just go pay it, and nobody knows that she even left the table. That's impressive. She's she's pretty good at it. Um, Speaking of spatulas, my headcanon is it's a sandwich that Ron brought with him because he's always eating. Do you think he and left now, it in the toilet? Oh yeah, I hope. Now it now it's awfully soggy, and especially if one of them was just taking a, like you're not eating. <laughs> so Harry fills him in on Dobby's visit and that the chamber has been opened before. Ron's convinced that the heir is Draco. At this point, is this take crazy? Specifically, the theory that Lucius like opened it first and then now has has taught Draco how or whatever. Is that nuts? I mean, I don't think it's... Like, I think it's somewhat plausible. Especially what we know of Draco. Like, we know he's a dick. We don't know how much of a dick he is yet. <laughs> he's a Nazi von douchebag. Yeah. The second, if you will. Yeah. As we like to call him. That is what we call him. Hmm. I think it is plausible. However, I feel like had Nazi von Douchebag the first, Lucius Malfoy been the one to open it the first time, like they were speculating, they probably would have heard about it sooner because people they knew were at school then. I think that makes a lot of sense. And for me, I would think that the person would be more stealthy if they were doing this than what Draco has been. He's been like way too boastful with his racism to be the actual person that's committing the stuff. Like, you don't go right, enemies of the air, beware on the wall, and then come to the scene and go, you'll be next, Mudbloods! I mean, have you watched a crime story? Like, that's all they do is they come back to the original scene. They come back, but don't they usually kind of just observe Mm, the handiwork? I've seen my share of Law and Orders. Most of them aren't 12 years old, though. There's that, too. That's... Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair well, enough. All right, I so mean, you'd you'd make a good point though, because he did seem like yeah. If you want to get away with it, you don't know. Yeah, he definitely yeah. seemed more like he was getting off on someone else's work as opposed to masturbating. Yeah, he was a fanboy. Yeah, I yeah. don't like how you phrased it. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah. But I like did that. that just for you. Yeah, I didn't. I... I have limits, Ellen. Jeez. Do I'm you? respectable. Right? Really? I'm, sure. I'm Let's just on. keep rolling. Moving on. Okay, so now the whole school has heard about Colin being petrified and rumors are going crazy, and we get another Ginny update on how she's not doing very well with it. Um, we get mention of the twins trying to cheer her up in ways that only they can by essentially trying to scare her and shit. Um, thinking back... If you can even remember the first time that you read through this, should we have picked up on these Ginny hints that we've been getting, or are these just actual, like, masterful Easter eggs for later reveal? I feel like I picked up on them, but I look for things like that. I think when I first read the book, I was still like, oh, these are just fun children's books. There's not, they're not going to be, like, in-depth, even though I was, like, surprised as hell about Quirrell and sorcerer stone yeah like 
I think I was still kind of looking for the obvious. Like, every time something happens, every time someone gets petrified, they made a point to mention how Jenny was affected by it. Yeah. And it's something that went w- over my head the first time. Like, it, yeah. di- it didn't start piecing together until much, much later. Yeah. And I had forgotten, really, until doing the podcast, how early they actually started right. in the book. I think in my head, I I just brought it down to, like, she had nerves. It was her first year. She was the youngest of the Weasleys, so she had a lot, mm. like, going on. And my husband hates watching movies or listening to audiobooks on car rides with me because... I look for things like that and then I speculate out loud about him and then he hates spoilers. So if I mm. happen to predict something that he thinks makes sense, it ruins it for him. <laughs> <laughs> but I look like literally that's how I read books. I devour them. I inspect them. I get my little magnifying glass out and I look for things that I think almost seem unnecessarily out of place and think they might be significant. That's annoying. It's... I know I'm really annoying. I'm sorry. I think annoying isn't the word I was going to go for. I was thinking exhausting. That's how I watch TV, but like I reading, I mean I don't read. Like this is literally the only book series that I read, which is funny cuz I'm now doing a podcast on it. Spoiler, if we do another series of this podcast, it's going to be TV. <laughs> Uh, so we also get a mention of this black market uh, that's spawning, spurring these transactions taking place at Hogwarts. But instead of weed and Adderall, the kids are peddling these like fake lucky talismans and other nonsense that's supposed to keep you safe. Probably See, some gilly I, weed too. But... Definitely some gilly weed. Mm-hmm. Very fair. Most, uh, of, it, but if that most was a... of his Dumbledore stash, I'm sure. But... Yeah. Um. See, for I, I remember like when I was a kid, Pokemon cards were a thing, burnt CDs that people put together that they'd be like selling under the desk. <laughs> yeah. Like, obviously, let's not incriminate anyone um, or condone other types of uh, transactions that might be a thing. But can you think of any of these like weird shit that people were like uh selling or trading or whatever in the hallways that was like technically teachers didn't want you doing this shit but like you know you're not gonna do 25 so we're a little older than you a little bit i don't know if you remember these but pogs yes (laughs) pogs Pogs. (laughs) that's yeah that's exactly what i was thinking of unless of course you knew somebody that was selling you know pine needles and pencil shavings and trying to pass that off as what? Drugs? <laughs> Gillyweed. Anything. Duh. Yeah, anything. <laughs> Baking soda. What do you want from me? I mean, I mean, gin is made out of pine needles, but so there's that. Is it really? Well, kind of. Huh. It's, it's made from the juniper berry, which has uh, pine needle leaves on it. So I know a little too much about that. I was today years old when I learned that. <laughs> Give it time and you'll understand exactly why she knows that, actually. Yes. You will find okay. out later. <laughs> we'll end up getting into that with the character that you want to talk about. <laughs> nice. So our trio signs up to stay at Hogwarts during the holidays, and so does Malfoy, because plot. Uh, and they have a goal of using their polyjuice to interrogate him, but it's only half done. And they don't have everything they need to finish it. So now we're planning a heist to steal from Snape's stash. So... 
they pull this off, right? The recap and the gist is Harry threw a firework into Goyle's potion, and then when Snape wasn't looking and it caused a distraction, Hermione sneaks into Snape's office, steals the like all. It's a simple plan. I still don't know what Ron's contribution to it was, but like, what do you, what do you think about how they pulled this off and this came together? I think it was a lot of dumb luck, honestly. <laughs> it was also a lot of dumb. That too, yeah. Like that was a yep. very, very dumb plan. Yeah, I mean that could have that could have gone so wrong in about eighty different eighty seven different directions. And I know in the chapter, Harry thinks that deliberately causing mayhem in Snape's potions class is like poking a sleeping dragon in the eye. Yeah. Like he knows that it's dumb. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he goes for a firework, like the most obvious, like <laughs> he did not just poke that dragon in the eye. He was just like, he shot a firework at right. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going with kids book. <laughs> anyway, as likely as it was, uh, the plan worked, and they got the shit that they needed. Um, it worked so now, because plot armor. Yes. Right. Exactly. And that's that has been so incredibly poignant and obvious in these first couple of books that I think that the later books get better about like hiding the plot convenience a little bit in nuance and story. Some of the shit in these couple having now picking it apart and looking for this stuff because sarcasm and podcasting kind of go together for me. Well, yeah. What? <laughs> like I I knew these two were for kids, right? Mhm. I had almost forgotten or like set aside some of this like oh, this is literally only happening because we need this other thing to have happen mm-hmm. and the the stuff doesn't like i mentioned a minute ago coral literally trying to kill harry in front of everyone yeah he had a whole school year and a whole lot of dark corners of that castle and he was a teacher he was all a he teacher. had to do is say hey stay arrange after class an murder <laughs> arrange yeah, an accident like, in your defense against the dark arts class dude do you yeah, know how so many much opportunities is... I have to injure kids in my classroom? <laughs> I mean, I don't take them, but they're there. And especially a place yeah. like Hogwarts where literally death is around every corner. Like, Right. Like this. And so I have to. Yeah, I have to. I will call it out. I will just let it go as plot and we move on. Mm-hmm. But some of this stuff is fucked. <laughs> so now it's time for Dueling Club. And... As they wonder aloud who's going to be teaching, you already know who the answer is going to be. Katie, can you do the honors with this one? Can everybody? Can everybody? See me? See me? Can everybody? Can everybody? Can everybody? Excellent. Essence of douchebaggery himself. Yes. All of it. Hermione mentioned that Flitwick was a dueling champion. Why is he not actually here? Because he knew way. Lockhart was going to be involved. He was like, fuck that noise. <laughs> fuck, I'm uh, short enough. I'm not getting some other part of me blown off. That's not happening. Yeah. He did not want to um, deal with that train wreck. And I am 100% positive that Snape wanted to be there to make it worse. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, Snape felt so... His part in it felt so begrudging. I bet you anything Dumbledore made him be part of it. That's what I'm we, saying. <laughs> 
we may or may not uh, get into that in about five seconds. Um, but we don't get a master dueler to teach the children how to duel, of course. We get a double douche with Lockhart and Snape. Uh, also, here's where that comes in. I want to know, what do you think Dumbledore's reaction was when Lockhart came to him with this request? Okay, fine, but Snape's going to babysit you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, my headcanon is that Lockhart comes up and Dumbledore is in a conversation with Snape. And here comes Lockhart all pompous and shit, interrupting them as only he can. And, you know, I want to start the... And Dumbledore just kind of, like, laughs and says, sure, go for it. And then he looks at Snape and goes, go babysit that and mm -hmm. let me know how it turns out. And you know Snape just whines about it. Like, but I don't want to. And he's like, Severus, you've always wanted to teach defense against the dark arts. It's your opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And it's all tongue in cheek and he's doing it with a laugh. Like, what he really wants. I am, I am convinced that he hired Lockhart to prove how inept Lockhart was to these children. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, it's in another podcast. Uh, but... He's, like, smirking the whole time, and Snape's looking at him like, you fucking old man. And that's how it how it went. Yeah, so, now that you we, say <laughs> that, I kind of think that I want to believe that Lockhart may have said something in one of his books slightly disparaging towards Dumbledore. And this is Dumbledore's just, like, super subtle revenge. See, I think that, I think Dumbledore has always felt that Lockhart was full of shit in his books but i think he kind of more recently started to look into it a little bit and he started piecing together like what was actually going on see i don't, I don't think i don't think that um and so i i'll give the cliff notes version of the theory i don't think lockhart's been wiping these people's memories like what ends up happening to him later in this book i think he's been doing more of the tom riddle and like planting just like a little small tweak in them to where, like, they remember what went down or whatever, but they somehow remember Lockhart being the one to do it and not themselves or so. You, so, like, it's more subtle. It's more, like, and it's not as traceable. It's not as uh, blatantly obvious. Like, hey, a brand new book came out, and here's another person in St. Mungo's that doesn't remember whatever's happened in their lives and who they are. Um, and when Dumbledore finally kind of caught wind of it, he was like, all right, this guy wants to teach and he's being a total shithead, I'm going to use him to teach the children what not to be and yeah. what not to do. I think that there could definitely be something in that. Of course, we also have to look at the fact that Dumbledore was having a hell of a time hiring people for that position yeah. since they never made it more than a year. Yeah. It's I, entirely possible that's why he sought Lockhart, Lockhart out because yeah. he was like, well, he's not going to last more than a year. Exactly. So. But I also yeah. think that Dumbledore knows all and probably had an inkling of what was going on the moment he mm -hmm. started publishing books. I don't know if Lockhart went to Hogwarts, but I would imagine he did. Oh, he was a Ravenclaw, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, that's what they say. They had to have known from then that he yeah. was an absolute appendix. Yeah. There's no yeah. way he was, like, better in school and graduated and all of a sudden lost all function. I don't know. I mean, I did, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's because I lost the structure in my life. What do you want from me, Ellen? Damn. 
<laughs> yeah. So, anyways, useless as he is, we get proof of it in our example duel. And as Ron said, wouldn't it have been so nice if the two could just finish each other off? But that alas, one, two, three, and despite Lockhart, yep, just yep, yeah, mm-hmm, just got that one. <laughs> Moving on, uh, one, two, three, finish at the same time. Uh, despite Lockhart being uh, blow hard, Snape gets the better off of him. Uh, Ellen, do, do you want to take this particular I, one? I feel like you're doing this to me on purpose, honestly. <laughs> blow hard, just, everything. You set it up. uh, (laughs) When Lockhart's just like, it was a good idea doing the Expelliarmus charm, but it was pretty obvious. (laughs) That's what you were going to do, and only too easy for me to stop you had I wanted to. I just thought we should show them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, (laughs) So now I have two questions. One, what spell was Lockhart actually planning to use in this scenario? That is a really good question. I have never, ever, I mean, probably a memory charm because that's all I know how to do. (laughs) Yeah, you would think. Honestly, he was probably just decoratively waving his wand. (laughs) Hoping something came out. (laughs) Waiting for Snape to do something so that he could say that line. He practiced that ahead of time. He was ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, or I mean, okay. He is. But here's the thing, Lockhart, even when he tries to do the right spell, it's the wrong spell. Yeah. So maybe he was just like hoping like, I'm just going to say a, a Latin word and we're just going to see what the <laughs> fuck happens. Because that's fair. so far that's caused panic and demise everywhere I go. So let's just keep up with that. Right. Why not? Right. But no, 100% what? Lockhart is purely decorative. Yes. <laughs> what about Snape? What do you think he wanted? to use avada kedavra <laughs> <laughs> crucio yeah that's pretty much all right so so now we're we're putting kids into pairs for new school sanctioned fight club and snape has to be a dickhead mm-hmm. he splits ron and harry he stops harry from pairing from hermione too instead he puts malfoy and harry together ron with finnegan seamus finnegan uh and Hermione gets Millicent Bulstrode. Mm-hmm. Did anyone else get this little bullying work from Snape, do you think, afterwards? Or was it literally just these three? Like, did he go around the rest of the room and start like, oh, no, 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 well, you're friends? No, fuck you. You're going to go with this part. Or is Neville it just with? them? Because if he was going to bully anyone, I forget. who was Neville. That was my Neville thought, too, was... but Lockhart had already put him in a pair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, the books have only ever shown us Mm -hmm. Snape picking on the trio and Neville. We have Mm -hmm. never seen any evidence of him actually picking on anyone else. And that could just be because it was unimportant to the plot. It could also be that he just liked to pick on the ones that triggered him the most. Yeah. I mean, it's told from Harry's perspective. So I always try to keep that in mind, too. Like, when people give... Dumbledore shit on the internet about how he never gave points to anybody else and he only gave them to Harry and it's like well this story was told from Harry's perspective he only sees Dumbledore like a handful of times a year like what was Dumbledore doing the whole rest of the time in relation to the children he probably gave points to people that we didn't see all the time so I'm thinking so I guess what I'm thinking is 
Harry is also really fucking oblivious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It could have been happening right in front of his face. We Worst wouldn't know either. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> so self-involved, honestly. Yeah. So I have to imagine that he's at least being a dick to the rest of the room too. That isn't in Slytherin House, but yeah. I don't know that anybody gets. I don't think anybody gets as personal bullying mm-hmm. as Harry and Neville specifically and then the scene with Hermione that happens is just but like yeah. I said the yeah. ones mm-hmm. that trigger Snape the most mm-hmm. yeah. the man needed a lot of therapy all of the therapy all yeah the or time. just a job yeah. where he's working with children so that's perfect uh, so the first <laughs> yeah, round right? of dueling goes exactly how you expect when telling a group of children to practice fighting each other but not what to actually practice they said disarm Nobody actually taught them the incantation, the <laughs> wand motion. Nothing. Just do what they I saw... did. What? Drop they... my yeah. wand? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's coming. <laughs> I mean, of course you don't teach them what to do. They're just going to start throwing punches. And in <laughs> Millicent Bolstrad's case, that's literal. Mm-hmm. Um, being from Harry's perspective, we see Harry and Malfoy's exchange. Malfoy cheats going on two. We have a tickle jinx, a dancing spell, magic fighting that you expect from a book written about and for children uh and then we have round two harry and malfoy chosen as a demonstration pair after snape bullies neville uh and much like the first round they're not told how to block spells they're just told that's what they're supposed to be doing and harry's shown how to drop his wand and then okay kids fight what was draco told kick his ass sea bass <laughs> yeah, he and Snape have this little huddle and he produces a snake. Did Snape tell him to do that? Well, I remember when when we did when we did this chapter, I remember the theory went that that was basically the first thing that Slytherins learn when they get sorted is how oh. to produce a snake. Interesting. Yep. Okay. I'd never thought of that. It just it just feels right to me. <laughs> to say that that's like that's their initiation kind of thing like okay this is the first thing you're gonna learn and if that's the case in their little cuddle puddle huddle Mm -hmm. snape told malfoy to initiate him into slytherin yeah there we go i i kind of like that but then why did he so quickly offer to vanish the snake probably because he didn't want to cause mass panic Snape's a lot of things, but I don't think he's deliberately putting children in danger. He'll bully them. Okay. But he likes his cushy job. He's not going to completely fuck it up. Yeah. I mean, it would have been a really good excuse, though. Like, did you see the snake? I couldn't get rid of the snake. Fuck. I didn't mean for all those kids to die. I'm positive that Dumbledore knows he could have gotten rid of the snake. (laughs) (laughs) It all just happened so fast, man. Severus. (laughs) Fair enough. So, 50 points from Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> so now, of course, the scene we all know extremely well by now. Instead of letting Snape take care of the snake, Lockhart insists on continuing to prove his inadequacies and his floppy wand. Uh, he flings the snake in the air. It gets real good and pissed off, lands in front of Justin Finch Fletchley, and it's ready to make him a snack. Harry instinctively approaches. Which is funny because Justin Finn's Fletchley is not a snack. No. No, No, sir. No, he's a full course meal. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, his head is big enough to be one. That's yeah, giant it's... fucking head on that kid. Man. Um, imagine with like an apple in his mouth, he's just laying on a platter. <laughs> So Harry, (laughs) Jay Leno chin and yeah, yeah. How many generations removed is he? Oh, he's like he he's direct descendant. I'm sorry, that's that chin doesn't skip a generation. Does that come with three exotic cars? Because I would trade the chin for the cars. Ah, ooh, see, but you got to live with the chin forever. Cars will break down. Cars. Cars will let you down, man. They lose their value once they've dri- they've been dr- once they've been driven off the lot. Immediately, unless yeah. you get the right cult following. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, mm, the ch- no, it's, it's not worth it. Nope. Nope. Don't do it. <laughs> not to have Uncle Jay. No. All right. No. Uh, so Harry instinctively approaches, tells the snake to leave him alone, and instead of being happy or grateful to not be dead, Justin's pissed, and Snape vanishes the snake in that order which mm-hmm. is something that i think is important i don't know why but i always imagined it the other way around and maybe it's because isn't that how the movie scene goes snake... <gasps> whoa holy you okay? oh my holy goodness fuck. <laughs> what if dumbledore planted snape there to have snape tell malfoy to produce that snake because dumbledore suspected harry was parcel tongue and wanted to confirm it oh shit I think my gasp was well worth it. No, that still scared the fuck out of me. I don't. That was not nice. I buy it. I buy it. However, I though, can... but for him to do that, though, it outed him in front of like the majority of the school. Yeah, but I mean, it's Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Dumbledore would have come up with a more subtle scene harry come to my office in order to do that snake (laughs) no no oh dear that i could totally see him wanting to if he had this suspicion going in i could see him trying to set up something like this but i think he would do it with not as many witnesses present because he knows the implications of harry being able to talk to snakes See, that's what I'm and saying. what's happening in the story at this moment like he knows if he does this in front of the entire school like he just fucking did <laughs> everybody's gonna think that he's the one going around and like trying to murder muggle-born students mm-hmm. like they're going to think he's the heir of slytherin yes but and it I- also could be one of dumbledore's exercises of keeping harry humble <laughs> i mean that's <laughs> That's a big old slice of humble pie. I don't I don't know about that. I mean, is it worse than placing him with the Dursleys? I mean, at least the Dursleys didn't make him an outcast from school. That shit stings. Just life. Psh, he got over that. It's fine. And by the end, Harry was the hero. And so I like where you're going. And this is exactly the kind of shit that I do on this podcast is <laughs> like what's Dumbledore's shit going on behind the scenes here. But for me, I think I don't think he had this suspicion. I think the events of this chapter are what give him the suspicion of the connection between Harry and Voldemort and that potential Horcrux inside. I think when he, oh, 
because he knows damn good and well that Harry is not the heir of Slytherin. He knows he's not a descendant of Salazar Slytherin. Mm-hmm. So if he has this gift and he knows that Tom Marvolo Riddle actually was, oh, was there a transference here? How does that happen? And then he starts going down the rabbit hole of eventually getting to Horcrux inside of Harry. I think that's more... I think they could both work together. (laughs) (laughs) They could. If he had the suspicion and he's like, here, let's try this to, uh, I guess, um, expedite. Dumbledore is not exactly not flamboyant in his plans. That was what? Just think about it. It makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) She's an art teacher, not an English teacher. Give it a second. Uh, I can... I can follow you. I don't know that I think that this is how you would do it, but I can (laughs) follow you or down that thing. This is off the cuff. Like, this is just random thoughts that came pouring through my brain and out my mouth. So, (laughs) this is why. Very loudly, I might add. (laughs) I was excited. This is why I host this show. This is literally (laughs) what we're going for. Um, So, anyways, uh, Ron and Hermione get Harry the fuck out of dodge um and Mm i i struggle with this book as a whole uh in comparison in comparison to the rest of the series um i think i personally think it's the weakest i find it the least interesting it's on a scale of good to great but when others are great something has to be good um and it just doesn't live up to the others and this is one of the biggest reasons why for me i hate this sequence because it lacks logic in any slightest sense of the form. So let's let's go through the this the series of events as they have taken place. Mm-hmm. Draco produces a dangerous snake, presumably to scare or harm. Lockhart Why not makes, both? <laughs> right. Lockhart makes that snake very, very angry. Angry snake is approaching Justin aggressively and appearing to be preparing to strike and make him dead. Harry steps forward and speaks Parseltongue. The snake relaxes and retreats from attacking Justin. Justin blames Harry before Snape has even gotten rid of the snake, and the whole school turns against Harry thinking he's an evil wizard. Simple cause and effect would show that Harry was helpful in this situation for Justin, and at the very least, he wasn't the reason that the snake was getting aggressive. Lockhart was. So even if Justin isn't grateful to Harry for saving his fucking life, he should at least be directing his anger at the people who put him in danger in the first place. Draco, <coughs> who produced the snake. Lockhart, who pissed it off. Not Harry. Okay, I'm done. Discuss. Okay, your your logic, well, it makes plenty of sense. That's just not how we do things here. That's just... That's that's not a thing we do, especially not 12-year-olds. 12-year-olds are like, holy shit, what just happened? I'm going to blame the first person I see. And obviously the teacher has my back. The teacher wouldn't hurt me. So I'm going to go with the dude that just hissed all over that thing. And, like, I'm going to say that was freaky, and I don't like it. And fuck that noise. Yeah, I think that was a case of adrenaline gone wrong, where he was just freaked out 
from nearly being attacked by a giant ass snake, giant ass nope rope, if you will. Mm-hmm. And you got this creepy kid that's kind of weird, even though he's also a little famous, literally running at the snake and hissing. No idea what he's saying. It just was a clusterfuck of confusion. And they went with the explanation that allowed them to blame someone that encompassed everything. Because they know Lockhart and Snape aren't going to be the ones opening the Chamber of Secrets. Okay. So what about the other people that are present? Right? All right. So a lot of people witnessed this. (laughs) Power of suggestion. I guess it's, for me, it's how quickly... Like, pretty much the whole school turns. And mm-hmm. it's very clear in the movie how quick, like, the, oh, yeah. the whole school is, like, against it. But, I mean, we get it mostly through the exchange with Ernie coming up. Yeah. But where were the students who were like, no, I, like, I was there. I know what Harry did was fucking freaky. But, like, that snake was about to kill this kid before he did it. You know, you know what I mean? if like, Luna Lovegood was at this dueling club, absolutely. That wouldn't absolutely. have helped his case. No, it wouldn't it would have. Not but have she would have been one of those kids. She yeah. would have been. Yeah, it, and she was there, right? She was there. We just hadn't thought of her as a character yet, so she wasn't right. on the page. She very yeah. well could you know have been she a first was year at this dueling club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's at the school. This is happening, and she's going to be there she's probably been on the no lockhart is full of shit since day one yeah it's probably in the quibbler somewhere that this dude but the theory as to how is completely nonsensical what if they had it right the whole time actually the abandoned banshee was defeated by so and so and so and so and but then they throw in some weird shit like and also that person has three feet and then all (laughs) theory just goes to hell because you're like well that's stupid so the rest of it is too then it ends up in a whole different section of the rental shop exactly Um, but they (laughs) i actually and i'm loving this thought the quibbler has been predicting that lockhart has been stealing other people's stories through memory modification for the past decade and mm. nobody believes them. They think nobody. it's absolute nonsense. Yeah. I would buy okay. that. The Quibbler is the national uh, inquirer of the Wizarding World. So, yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, yeah. all right. We got to we gotta get through the rest of this chapter. Uh, the trio have a huddle, and uh, they talk about how rare talking to snakes is, how people are now going to think that Harry's a descendant of Salazar Slytherin. And, of course, they're, they're right. Harry's all depressed. He wants to tell Justin what actually happened, and he comes across some Hufflepuffs talking shit, particularly Ernie McMillan, because, you know, all Hufflepuffs talk shit. Uh, And we get more of what I just roll my eyes at, as I just mentioned. Um, But Harry doesn't go about this quite the right way. He pops up, and he's like, he basically says the stupidest thing that you can say to a group that's discussing how an individual is hiding from you because he thinks that you're going to harm him. You don't just say, hey, I'm looking for that individual who's hiding from me because he thinks I'm going to harm him. But whatever. Ernie's reaction is to puff his chest out, you know, huffing and puffing. Pompously. Yeah. He's Hufflepuffing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. These Everybody thinks that the Hufflepuffs are the nice house and they're the, you know, I don't know. Oh, they'll whomp your ass. Especially yeah. if you fuck with one of your their friends. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So... 
<laughs> honey badger don't give a fuck anyway <laughs> um i don't even know what that's a reference to uh and ernie actually Literal tries to honey use badgers <laughs> ernie tries to use his blood purity as something to like stand on like you can't hurt me i'm a pure blood like come on i this is fucking stupid and doesn't make you bulletproof and harry's like why the fuck would i care (laughs) exactly and his logic is like i'm you hate those muggles that you live with you mean the ones that have abused him for his entire life by your logic these people would already have been made dead i grew up in a cupboard yeah you try liking them you I don't know. Think this... They are I was... satchels of assholes. You think if I didn't, like, have this power, I wouldn't have used the shit out of it by now? Like Exactly. I don't on know. On the Muggle this News is... somewhere, Muggle family eaten by snakes, <laughs> orphan boy, only one who survives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just can't. This part, this whole part of this section, of it, to me, it's just stupid. And I have to, like, I don't know. I Nitpick cognitive dissonance this part didn't happen we just skip ahead a few pages and harry runs into hagrid with a dead rooster which seems random of course it sort of has a plot purpose but here's my question why is he carrying it around i think he brought it up to dumbledore's office to show him but why is he carrying it around i think he just likes waving his cock around there it is there it is i mean (laughs) Are we to believe that if Hagrid goes up to Dumbledore with the relationship that they have, he's not just going to believe him that roosters are being killed? He has to bring the carcass. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Look! Maybe. It's entirely possible that Dumbledore told him to bring it because he's like, dude, I don't know what the hell is killing these things. There's no marks on them. There's no nothing on them. Like, hmm. or, you know. There could be magic to trace something like that. And maybe, just maybe, Haggard was heading to the kitchens next, and they were going to have chicken dinner that night. Hmm. All right. I fall. Okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. That's fine. That's fine. I, we're doing, we're doing a rooster autopsy in Dumbledore's office, and then we're having dinner. All right. Cool. New head cannon solidified. <laughs> yeah. Don't. If you hit a deer on the side of the road, take it home and you got venison. field dress Make jerky. Yeah. So, all right. So we're walking away. Harry trips over something or someone in the hallway, sees nearly headless Nick floating along unconscious, I guess you would say. Is a ghost conscious? Is the, Whatever. I think that's all they are. Right? I was going to say. I was gonna say. Okay. Yeah. yeah they that's are fair. a stream of consciousness. Yeah. Essentially. And that's what this podcast really is, just a stream of consciousness. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully it has a little bit of spirit. Uh, But the whole point is he just tripped over Justin's body, right? Like, bad timing, man. Right. Because, plot, anyways, he could run away. He tries to do the gallant thing, and he's like, I want to help, and he does nothing. Mm -hmm. He just stands there trying to- Gryffindor! Yeah. Yeah, all I know is I'm a fucking Gryffindor right now, but I don't know what the hell is happening. What because he is not a Ravenclaw. <laughs> He's definitely not. Definitely and in the movie, not. he just tries to hold his fucking hand. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck was that? I don't, I don't know. But we just we need the scene of everybody finding him at the scene, and thanks to Peeves, we get it because he goes around making a bunch of noise. Everybody comes out. Ernie 
talk some more shit. Caught in the act! Ah! And Professor <laughs> McGee's not having it with his bullshit. Um, and then <laughs> this doesn't have any any place in the plot. Mm-mm. But I imagine like a big box fan that Professor McGonagall like produces and conjures to like blow <laughs> Nick down the hallway. <laughs> and I want to know where she's plugging it in. I Electronics mean, don't work at Hogwarts. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was exactly. just like a hand fan. Is that like... Yeah. Like they literally just like waft him down. What about those... Like uh, in the cartoons you see they start fires in their... Like, they got this like poofer thing. <laughs> like it sucks up a bunch of air. <laughs> That I I don't know makes a little farting noise. I, is it a whoopee cushion that she's using? Is really what I'm getting at. I think if it was peeves, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. McGee takes Harry away. They're headed to Dumbledore's office, and that wraps up the chapter. Did we miss anything that you wanted to hit on? I don't think so. No. I think okay. we were overly thorough. <laughs> I think you're right particularly the whoopee cushion, which takes <laughs> us into our next segment, which is. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Explainiarmus. It's time to disarm your reluctancy and explain how you can support this podcast. Belated Binge is a fully independent production. I read the books, write the script, Record the episode, edit the recording, pick and produce the sounds, manage the content schedule, manage social media, promote the podcast, and feed producer Jack. Any costs from equipment to software to website development, marketing, any of that comes out of my pocket. And despite how many times I've been told we look alike, I'm no Harry Potter. No half giant has ever taken me to a bank full of cash and said, hey, you're rich. Having a podcast takes a lot and it's not easy. So your support is literally the only thing that keeps the show going. And there are a few key ways you can support the podcast. First, word of mouth is absolutely huge. If you enjoy the show, please tell every one of your Potterhead friends to give it a shot. Also, many of the pod players now support a rating and review function. Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, Podchaser, just to name a few. And it takes about four seconds to leave a five-star rating on the app. This can be greatly impactful. If you have more than four seconds and the app that you're using supports written reviews, that's even better. Think about how reliant we are on reviews. Whether you're buying something new or deciding what book to read next, we're always looking at ratings and reviews to weigh into our decision. Podcasts are no different, and your positive review could be the difference in someone discovering the show and deciding to give it a chance. Another great way to support the show is engaging in the conversation yourself, whether it be answering the specific questions I pose during the show or on social media. Maybe you just have a theory of your own or you want to leave some feedback. I'd love to hear from you and maybe even 
share it on the podcast. You can submit your thoughts by leaving a voicemail on the website, belatedbinge.com. Just click the little leave a voicemail icon on the page that you visit. If you don't like the sound of your own voice, you can also respond in written form by using the contact form on the website, leaving comments or DMs on social media. My handle is belatedbinge across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also email belatedbinge at gmail.com. The final and perhaps most impactful form of support is to become a patron on Patreon. I've made a ton of updates to Patreon membership benefits this season and some goals to shoot for as well. There are currently six tiers available designed to fit any budget level ranging from $1 to $20 with all the bells and whistles. So benefits range from early access to ad-free versions of the show, recognition on the website, bonus episodes, patron shoutouts, show prep notes, insider participation, binge award participation, input on show content and future benefits, a drawing for a physical gift sent from me to you and others. I've also set some growth goals that will unlock new benefits for existing tiers and maybe even adding some more stuff as we go. The first goal is to get 10 total patrons, at which point I will start a patrons discord server. However you choose to support the show, thank you. I truly appreciate it. Now, let's get you back into the flow of the episode. Lumos. Lumos. All right, let's pull out our wands and light the tips, but we're not blowing smoke. We're here to illuminate. This week, we're doing something a little bit different. Um, it might come off as pandering in some ways, but I want to talk about Ginny. So let's start with where we are in this book. At this point, we've had a couple mentions of Ginny kind of snuck in uh, as Easter eggs. First, she's looking ill, and now she's distraught about Colin. So, like, kind of, let's work through it. Like, where are we with Ginny right now? Ginny is still, at this point, I feel... Um, Ron's tr- little sister. <laughs> yeah, they're still trying to kind of pass her off as a background character. Like, she's a Weasley, so you know she's got connections. Mm-hmm. To the main characters. So she's not like a she's not like way in the background. Yeah. But she's definitely not in the forefront. She's a middle ground character. Yeah. Yeah. And she's really like she's going through it at this point. Oh yeah. Right? Like but like where's and that's where what I'm what I can't pinpoint quite yet is like we have a space of time between receiving the diary discovering what the fuck is weird about this diary, pouring self into diary, figuring out that diary is bad for me and throwing it in a toilet. We're somewhere in that timeline. Like, Mm -hmm. where do you think she... How how much has she started to piece together herself at this point? I mean, I feel like we're probably right in the middle of, of Tom Riddle's grooming, essentially. Yeah, I think because obviously he didn't have access to the Chamber mm-hmm. of Secrets when she was still home when she first acquired the diary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm positive she started writing in it right away. I mean, Harry freaking Potter was staying under the same roof as her. You yeah. know that was entry one. Yeah. 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 I hear him And sleeping. Riddle's like, Harry Potter, you say? <laughs> <laughs> we gonna kill that motherfucker. Um. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's. Oh my god, my brother's best friend is here, and oh my god, it's Harry Potter, and he's That's... so amazing, and he saved the Wizarding world from this really big douchebag named Voldemort, and it was really crazy, and oh my god, this is amazing. What do I do? And he's so cute. His eyes are as green as a fresh pickled toad. <laughs> exactly. This is actually now that we're talking through this, this is something that I think is actually a miss in the plot. Because we we have the opening of the chamber. Mm-hmm. We have the basilisk being let out and actually sucked, sicked, sucked, sucked on, sucked. saying sucked. How about directed, directed towards Muggleborn students. <laughs> and targeted. There it is. That's that's what I wanted. Uh well, you know, you sick your oh, dog you on somebody. Oh, you were trying to say, like, sick. Yes. It, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's what I was getting at. Um, But. Sick him, Later, Sick him. Yeah. Later, Tom Riddle's like, I don't care about killing mudbloods anymore. My, You've been my focus, Harry. I've been wanting to get at you. Mm-hmm. Presumably, if Ginny started off writing about Harry Potter in the fucking diary, that would have been his focus from the start. We wouldn't have had this nonsense with Colin Creevy and with Justin Finch Fletchley, right? Not not necessarily. Because I mean, he may not he's also he's also um a younger ver you know, this is a younger version of yeah. Voldemort. And so there's probably things that he didn't necessarily realize that she was saying that relate to him. He had. She hadn't written about how he defeated Voldemort yet. So maybe. I, possibly. Okay. I also think the turning point could be when everybody realized Harry could speak Parseltongue. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say too. Like once, once he realizes that, oh wait, he's got he can do the same shit. He as can't me. have somebody else out there that control the basilisk. Yeah. Okay. 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 Switched his focus up. Yeah. All right. And then he probably started asking more questions about Harry specifically and got more of the story. Mm-hmm. And possibly okay. started trying to take more control over Ginny than... Not even trying to. Well, the more she poured into it, it the yeah. easier it was. Well, that, but then him maybe trying to take more than she actually gave, and that's why she would start to remember things. Hmm. And then that's why she threw the book out because she was like, no, fuck, this is fucking weird now. And the obvious mm-hmm. clues left behind of like feathers on her robes sure, and yeah. paint down her front. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was that. Yeah. <laughs> Ginny is not stupid. No. No, she's not. Do you think she did start getting some of this time back um, that she was I- missing? I don't think she did. I think that she just knew she was losing time and had these clues. For her gotcha. sake, I hope that she didn't. Yeah. Yeah, More yeah. because that's another thing. Like, she's going through it. Like, this has been brought up before, so I don't want to totally harp on it. But where would mm-hmm. she go? For Like, how does she get over this? We know that we don't have a Wizarding World version of therapy, but, like, how does she just... How does she I mean, get past this whole ordeal? I, I feel like it's a lot of... Tr- it's, it's a... A lot of uh, doses of pepper up potion. <laughs> I'm feeling like. So one of our keepers, as we call them for Just Keep Rolling, Sarah Baines Miller has been rewriting all of the Harry Potter books, but from Hermione's perspective. I would read that. I'll send They're you amazing. the links. They're phenomenal. She's They're so talented. 
Nice. She's up to Prisoner of Azkaban. She's working on Goblet of Fire right now. Nice. But because it's from Hermione's perspective, she can explore a lot more things that Oblivious Harry didn't pick up on. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she has done such a great job is building a friendship between Hermione and Ginny. Yeah. So I think we could feasibly think that Ginny had that bond with Hermione, somebody to talk to who would understand mm. what's going on. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like and that. Someone, someone who was in the know by the end of the book. Yeah. And she could be like, so you know I'm not evil. Okay, so can I talk to you? <laughs> and Hermione was like, "Yeah, of course, yeah, sure." Yeah. Like, okay, so she probably became a big um, source of comfort for her, especially since we do know that it's Hermione that gave Ginny the advice to kind of date other people and move yeah. on from her crush on Harry. Like, they obviously had a friendship. Mm -hmm. Whenever they stayed together, they shared a room, yeah, or a tent, yeah. like. There mm -hmm. had to have been more there than we get from Harry's perspective. And I think that could have been a huge source of comfort for her. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Somebody has. I mean, somebody has to. Because she's not. Yeah. An 11-year-old's just not moving on from this type of trauma without literally any help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and let's be honest. Molly Weasley, phenomenal. She totally helped her daughter. Yeah. As best as she could. I think there's only a certain amount she could have done. But yes, I think whatever she I, could do, she did. I refer to her as sleeper agent MI7 kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So you guys do book and movie comparisons. How do you think that Bonnie Wright did with this? Not as a... I don't want to think the the movies as a whole. Because mm -hmm. like movie Jenny got fucked in the writing of the movies. I'm thinking more along the lines of little young Bonnie Wright in the glimpses we get during the movie scenes where we are right now in the book where like her face, her eyes get kind of big and she's kind of pale, you know, like how did I she loved her? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved her. I thought especially like, I mean, this doesn't pertain with the chapter that we just talked about the section we we're talking about. But when she shows up in the kitchen and realizes that Harry was there and just like deer in headlights, <laughs> she was really adorably phenomenal. Um, yeah. And, and there were also, there were a couple of scenes where you saw her writing in the diary, like yeah. in the, I believe in the great hall or at study hall, whatever it was. And you just kind of see her, like she's looking at Harry and then she's like, must write more things, must write more things. I wasn't just looking at him. I wasn't doing anything. What? I'm not weird. <laughs> Shut up. You know, I thought she did great with what she was given. Yeah. <laughs> did that continue for you as the movies that went? That she kept doing great? That she yeah. kept doing great with what she was given. I feel mm -hmm. like they kept taking more and more away from her. Yeah. They but I honestly very one-dimensional. I don't blame anything on Bonnie Wright. No. I think that she did a great job with what she was given, but they gave her fucking shit like shoelace. <laughs> Open up you. Oh my gosh. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. I just, <laughs> visceral reaction. It was so bad. Yeah. It, Shoelace was the that? worst. Open up you. Was Open up worse. you was pretty. That was. I'm sorry. It was all bad. I mean, Hermione's parents if are I, dentists, if, so we had to get a little. No? Nothing? If I ever try to fucking feed someone food <laughs> by saying, open up you. Just punch me in the face. Just. Please do that. Noted. Save 
<laughs> Fuck, now I really can't do it. Because <laughs> you will punch me in the face. But I'd probably slap you. I'm not that mean. <laughs> Sometimes that's worse. It anyway, kind of it kind let's of just is. keep rolling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, anything else on on Jenny? You know, the ship with Harry. Like anything that just stands out that you want to kind of call out? Jenny, Jenny is my favorite character, and I love her so much. I um, I named my daughter after her, um, in a in a low key way, because um, I wanted a I wanted to give her a Harry Potter name, but I didn't want it to be super obvious and. <laughs> I had read a, a really, I don't want to call it terrible, but a not-so-great fan fiction um, in which somebody gave Ginny the nickname Juniper. Mm-hmm. And it stuck with me because, for whatever reason, I had mentioned earlier that, that the Juniper Berry makes the drink gin, hmm. which is basically what led to me going, you know what? I don't necessarily want to name her straight up just Ginny, but if we name her Juniper, short for Gin, we can call her Ginny, and that works out. And then that's my, I got my Harry Potter, you know, tie-in. And nice. so we ended up, yeah, we ended up doing that. But I have to be honest, I, I don't like Ginny and Harry together. I do. So I don't. We'll never see eye to eye on this one. No, I feel... That Harry was too fucked up after everything to have any sort of, like, logical and healthy relationship. I always, I always shipped Harry in his hand. That was just. <laughs> I can see your. I can definitely see your perspective there. I could easily see Harry being the type of character that kind of just becomes almost the Dumbledore stand, where it's like he's mm-hmm. just by himself and he does his thing. And he doesn't yeah. let other people in on his fucked up trauma yeah. meddled brain. Yeah. I, I could think... see that ending to the series. But if you had to put him with somebody, I do like the idea that some people have floated in what the day-to-day would be like between Ginny and Harry. Kind of like sassy, you know, snarky comments to each other, giving each yeah. other sh- I do like that aspect of it. I'll well, give and that. I think from a literary standpoint... Having Harry end up alone is super fucking depressing because he was an orphan and having him end with his own family finally, Mm -hmm. it brings it full circle for him. He finally gets that happy, those happy memories he gets to build with his own kids, cursed child aside, but. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we're not (laughs) going there. There's better fanfic out there. (laughs) What I also like about him and Jenny, aside from the fact that she's clearly a parallel to Harry's mother and then he's the parallel in a creepy way. Yeah. Yeah. In a creepy way. But I also think but I don't think of it as him marrying his mother. I think of it as just like getting to have Harry, um, James and Lily again. And, and Jenny and Harry. I think it's but, the physical descriptions that make it a little creepy. Like she yeah. looks like his mom in that part. I don't a little know weird. that she actually does, other than having red hair. Mm, I don't know really because she has brown yeah. eyes and lilies were green. So did movie Lily. Yeah, <laughs> well. mo- movie Lily was movie Lily looked like that is also a just... side the point. But I think yeah. most importantly with Jenny. Having gone through being possessed by Riddle and therefore technically being pe- possessed by Voldemort, I mm-hmm. think she can understand a lot of what Harry went through better than anybody else in the Wizarding World. Yeah. And I think that that gives 
somebody who she was there for all of it, even if it, part of it was just in the middle ground. She directly understands what it was like to be influenced by him. And then she also is just a fucking cool girl who's yeah. smart and badass and loving and Harry marrying her not only gives him his own family, it brings him into his pseudo family. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one, I think that romantic relationships are the weakest point of this series as a whole. I think that that just, that part just isn't the strong suit of what this series has to offer. But mm. the, the match between those two is off of the page is feels much feels strong like how the two could be compatible for each other in your head canon more so than what's actually like right. written on they the weren't really of the book. none of the romances were really were developed good. they were just yeah. kind of like platter here you go this is how it ends yeah Wait, everybody I... marries somebody that they were dating in high school it, and yeah yeah it's it just felt very obvious thing. yeah all of it just felt very like well of course they got married yeah. Of course yeah. they did. Why the fuck wouldn't they? Yeah. Because that's how life works. Yeah, exactly, right? It's so I, we clean. are talking about a fictional wizarding worlds, and I think war does probably change things, but it wasn't it still wasn't developed. I'm yeah. just saying, I feel like there would have been a lot of PTSD and there already was. I think a lot of these people would be so fucked up that they wouldn't have a lot of healthy relationships, let no. alone with the person that they first made out with and when they were 15 right yeah like, but well harry's first makeout didn't work out <laughs> yeah, but that's that fair was, that was that was cho cho gets Honestly. a short end a little bit but yeah uh she's rough and again on the page kind of rough in in instances yeah. um okay my my uh unpopular opinion is that jenny should have should have ended up with draco i hate that one so much. <laughs> that's a really terrible one that's really bad i love it it's I really can't bad. Draco it. does not deserve anybody decent from the core characters. Draco was somewhat redeemable by the end of it. He wasn't fully redeemed, but he was redeemable. He had he had it in him. He had it in him, but that doesn't mean he gets to get the girl that he bullied. I mean, everybody, if he admits his fuck-ups, if he admits his mistakes. No, he's not worthy. I think she's the only one that could have that could have controlled him. And put him in his place. No, you yeah, you have to keep in mind that Draco is not responsible for any of his actions because his dad's mean. So we have to just forgive everything that he ever did. With that, I'm not saying we forgive. With that, let's do our next segment: divination. It's time to highlight four moments in the chapter that foreshadow something to come in the future. One. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Ginny being distraught over Colin is the literal definition of a foreshadow to her being the culprit of this book against her will. And it's not clear how much she even knows right at this moment, as we just discussed. But still, she's kind of the one doing all of this stuff, uh, at least in the form of the... Um, what's the as the Marionette. puppet? Yes, yes. She, she's the puppet uh, that's uh, being done to doing these things through. I don't know. I didn't. I don't teach English either. Uh, but that is the first one. <laughs> uh, second, Ron saying that people will think Harry is uh, Slytherin's great, 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 four great grandson uh, or something to that effect is 
very on the nose, but it's exactly what happens. People think he's the heir of Slytherin attacking the Muggleborns before the chapter's even over, and it just continues throughout the book until we get... I don't know that we really get... Aside from Ernie saying, I think it's when Hermione gets petrified that even Ernie's like, all right, I don't think you're doing this to your best friend. It's probably not you, (laughs) right? Like, really? (laughs) Yeah, and when was... Why was that not Harry's, like, first... My best friend like you is think Muggleborn. I'm attacking Muggleborns. Look at my best friend. Yeah, it doesn't. None of it, like I said, none of it follows logic. None of it lines up. A lot She's of it is not ridiculous. Really, your best friend? You're just using her for homework. Ugh. Yeah, that would. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> three. Hagrid carrying around a dead rooster is a foreshadow to not only swinging his cock around, but later in the book <laughs> where we find out that the cry of a rooster is like bad for a basket. Is it fatal? It's fatal, fatal. to it. The cry of a rooster is fatal to it. It's also, of course, foreshadowing that evening's chicken dinner. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's foreshadowing autopsy and dinner and that basilisk, the crow of, I, come on. I don't, I just. It's a very random thing. I like to imagine that when the rooster crows, the basilisk's heads just explodes like Mars attacks. Was any of that English? Yes, I understood okay. it perfectly. Um, so is the Chamber of Secrets so far down below the school that it can't ever hear these roosters crowing over the past thousands years that it's been there? I mean, I don't... I guess. I'm pretty sure it's it's far down enough. Okay. It's probably soundproofed. Yeah. So we're only killing them now because it's actually being let up? Yeah, yeah. So it might... Okay. Sure. Because he wants... They want to... They want to let it loose. Yeah. Bill wants to let it loose. So we gotta so, we gotta clear out the chickens. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Uh four. They, they, they have to they have to get rid of the roosters so that they can't sick them with a chicken. We gotta choke them the all fuck? out. We gotta <laughs> choke them all out. Uh yeah. <laughs> choke the chickens so we don't kill the snake. I take you these however what? you want. Hermione, number four, is informing Harry that Salazar Slytherin was a parcel mouth and could talk to snakes famously. That foreshadow is in direct correlation to the monster that he hid in the Chamber of Secrets as being a snake, obviously, to us. Did you connect this way back when? Oh, yeah. I mean, the snake... Katie's up here like, not no. (laughs) The snake imagery is so strong throughout every single book what mm-hmm. else was it going to that, be yeah, yeah it was just like now did i know no. the term basilisk right no. did we know it was no. going to be gigantic and fucking and like well, kill yeah. people with a stare yeah probably yeah not. it wasn't going to be a little garter snake yeah i mean of hey, course it's going to be a giant fuck off snake sure because that's i don't like those either you kill people i don't need any of the snakes i they can all go <laughs> I'm okay. I don't. I, don't I need ran them. over one with a lawnmower one time, and I cried, and I don't cut the lawn anymore. <laughs> oh, I had one that was like cuddling up in the uh, stairs of the walkway up to our old condo, and I may or may not have decapitated it with a snow shovel and then ran it over with my truck, <laughs> just to Poor make sure. <laughs> well, I felt bad because it was still wiggly. <laughs> 
I mean, kill it with fire. That's it, that's it was my it was rough. I'm not I I, like I'm not snakes. condoning animal violence, but this thing was no. not going to like jump out and get my wife or you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. nope. I like snakes behind glass. Like I'll go look at them at the zoo. I would yeah. actually love to do like a painting study mm-hmm. just like zoom in on snake scales and color patterns. I think they're really intriguing. However, if I came across one larger than a gardener snake in my backyard, mm-hmm. I would nope off the other way. Like, that's just. Yeah, like we, there was a little pond out back of this condo. And when I would see them up on the like shore, like by the trees or whatever, I'm just like, no, I, I didn't go seek them out to kill them. But like the one that could reach out and get you from under the steps in its hiding place had to go. Yeah. To go. No, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I did not find that gardener snake in my yard until after I shredded him, and I like—I mm. mean, I bawled. I felt so <laughs> horrible. It was very traumatizing. As a Slytherin, I have the same relationship with snakes that Batman has with bats. So mm. I just okay. Next segment. Let's give away some house points. House points. In true Hogwarts fashion, these points are completely subjective with no oversight and fully at my discretion. This week, I'm giving house points to Hermione. He's getting 10 for stealing from Snape successfully and not dying in the process. Harry is getting 25. He's getting 5 for the distraction, for that plan somehow working. Uh, He's getting 15 for saving Justin's life to no appreciation at all. And let's do 5 more for character and wanting to help Justin instead of run from the scene of the petrification bet anybody deserve points that you guys want to give out um, it was a rough chapter for people doing actual good stuff i'm taking a lot of points away from people yeah, yeah. i definitely want to take more points than i imagine giving okay let's do that so i'm gonna take 10 from snape for being a child bully i'm taking 15 from malfoy five for cheating and dueling and 10 for the snake stunt that he tried to pull off in his initiation. Apparently. 10 for exposing his snake? <laughs> yes, for whipping it out in front of the entire class to see. Mm-hmm. Not telling any of those stories. Lockhart is losing 15. Five for being an arrogant, useless, I believe. Appendix. Appendix is the right word. Uh, and 10 more for pissing off the snake and setting Harry up for all of the backlash that he receives. Justin- I think you mean hissing off the snake. Oh, there it is. It, Ellen. There it is. <laughs> Justin is losing 10 for being an ungrateful bastard when Harry saved his ass and his chin. And Ernie is losing 20, 10 for spreading the rumor, and 10 for being a dick. Who do you guys want to take points away that I did not cover? Um, I think you covered it. I mean, I'm going to take another five away from Justin just for the fucking chin. Just... All right. Just an extra, because you can't take enough points away for that chin. You extra just can't. Extra five, four... Chin mm-hmm. from Katie. Anything else? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Percy should lose five points for getting busy in the library. I think he should get some points. He did get some, just not points. Okay, Percy lose five for getting some. The book nookie. Ellen. God. Book nookie. Got it. And Percy getting five. Balance it for yeah. getting some book Can we nookie. Award Ron one just for being there. Ron <laughs> one. 
Thor being there. I'm not sure if he did anything, but he was there for all of it. You know what? I'm actually all right, Ron losing two for being useless in <laughs> the uh in the robbery. Yeah. The heist, if mm-hmm. you will. Heist. Yep. Okay, so I'm going to add these into my nerdy-ass spreadsheet as soon as I create it and tally them up for the end of this season's Bingy Awards episode. Before we go, we have to acknowledge the moments in this chapter that were utterly ridiculous. ridiculous. It's not an episode of The Binge if we don't call out what didn't make any sense, starting with Snape using a disarming charm against Lockhart that blasted him off of the stage. The author clearly hadn't figured out the rules here yet, but as the series goes on, this isn't how this spell's supposed to work. Unless, Uh, of course, you're watching the movies, in which case it's exactly how that spell works. Right. Every spell works that exact same way. Uh, Speaking of which, Lockhart teaching the dueling club is ridiculous. It makes no sense why this man keeps insisting on putting his incompetence on display, knowing he's been lying about everything the entire time, why he keeps doing this is never going to make sense to me. Uh, and I mentioned this earlier, but I find the whole ending to this major plot setup ridiculous. I understand these are kids, tensions are high, but the sequence of events should not have led to the results that we get in the book. To Harry's reputation, the school, all the backlash, it's all bullshit. Plot armor. Anything from your perspective that just annoys the shit out of you or doesn't make any sense from this chapter? Again, I think you covered I mean, it. Yeah, I'm. We're not used to being out snarked about something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not used to having my work done completely for me, hmm. well within the time limit. Okay. I'm like always five minutes late. So in about 20 minutes, I'll think of something and I'll say it and. You won't be She'll there. She'll email it to yeah. you. <laughs> that works. We can dub it in. With that, we've reached the end of this episode of The Binge. As always, shout out to producer Jack, who I work like a dog. Remember to follow and subscribe to the show on whatever podcast player you're using. And if it supports a rating and review option, please leave one. If you're so inclined, check out the additional benefits available on patreon.com slash belatedbinge. I cannot thank you two enough for coming and slumming it today. Is there anything you want to plug, promote, talk about, anything we missed, anything at all to say? I mean, obviously. <laughs> First off, this was not slumming it. This no, was this fun is as hell. awesome. So, bring us back in Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. We have I thoughts. Noted. I absolutely <laughs> will do that. That is, uh, that's actually and what I'm, I'm trying to do. I am now, right now, I am requesting the time turner chapter okay i will put it the second time around well when they realize they're going back in time i claim it it is ours you heard it here okay let me uh let me put it in somewhere as usual i am just along for the ride i've found in the last three years of doing this with, with ellen it's really just easier if i just say yes whatever it is that's fair you've you've seen that jim carrey movie (laughs) yes ma'am anything else you guys want to well i do want to say that if you enjoyed listening to us ramble on this episode of belated binge then you can just find our episodes of just keep rolling Uh, we are also on basically every single podcasting platform and then you can find our social 
our social media. We're on Facebook at JKR Podcast, and then Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is all Just Keep Rolling. If you're reading along next episode, we will cover chapter 12 of Chamber of Secrets, which is, I don't remember, the Polyjuice Potion. Yes, that one. Until then, I'll see you next time on the Belated Binge Podcast. Behind the wall was a spiral staircase which was moving smoothly upwards like an escalator. As he and Professor McGonagall stepped onto it, Harry heard the wall thud closed behind them. They rode upwards in circles, higher and higher, until at last, slightly dizzy, Harry could see a gleaming oak door ahead with a brass knocker in the shape of a griffin. He knew where he was being taken. This must be where Dumbledore lived. Dumbledore are always hiding behind those knockers. <laughs> Is he, though? <laughs> In that case, he was. <laughs> and, um, balls. I had a thought, and then it went away, so. <laughs> and Katie's just thinking about balls. That's, I mean, yeah, a little bit. We're all guilty of sometimes thinking about balls. <laughs> For me, personally, I'm usually well, thinking of my own. If you're reading a <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it took my wife like seven years to marry me, and it was pretty much the same thing. (laughs) Oh, my God. Your wife is like my husband. (laughs) Are they the same person? Maybe. Do we have a whole other conversation that we need to have? This is getting weird. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Are are me and Lynn triplets with his (laughs) wife? Hold on. (laughs) Hang on. I'll follow that. Hey, I... We won't talk about the mini funeral I had for a pine tree one time that I ran over with a lawnmower. (laughs) Moving on to our next segment, which is... I was young. Give me a break. Did you put it in a pine box? Because that's just fucked up. Pineception? (laughs) No, I think I I just, like, gave it its moment. I think I just, like, laid it out and kind of gave it its moment, and I felt bad. Said a few words. Yeah. uh, uh, Anyway. (laughs) 